This is the Horse Radio Network. Nobody looks good in tight white breeches. I repeat, nobody. This week, we're talking with a dietitian about body image and proper dieting for equestrian athletes. It's been a while since Facebook crocked down on horse sales. So how are people selling horses? And when is it too cold to hose down your horse? Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Mag, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome, Welcome to Happy, to Happy Hour. Hour. I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Ellie Wozniaka. Welcome to episode 59 of Heels Down Happy Hour. Hi, guys. Hey. What's going on? Been a crazy couple weeks. Yeah, so the last time I talked to you, Jess, you were literally just getting home from Fairhill and turning around in like five hours to go to Tryon, right? Yeah, <laughs> crazy. yeah. We got delayed because the weather at Fairhill got gross, so we couldn't get home. So then we didn't get home till Monday, and then Quincy is in the FEI, so he had to be here at Tuesday. So like Courtney was home less than we were. Like I think she was home for like 12 hours, it felt like. So it was nuts. Yeah, your schedule is totally crazy. Yeah, it yeah. kind of gets that way. I admire you. I'm very much a homebody. <laughs> <laughs> We've gotten so used to it. We're like, okay, get going and go. So this episode is brought to you by Equal Gold, which if you've listened to the show at all, you know we are huge fans of Equal Gold. And if you have a horse with a sensitive back, you really should try Equal Gold's Comtax saddle pads. They're made for more sensitive horses in mind. Each Calmatech saddle pad is made with medical fleece, which reduces friction and pressure points at uh, specific points of contact. So it improves air circulation. It's really good about wicking away moisture from the skin to alleviate any discomfort and prevent any irritation. I love the Calmatech pads because I have a sensitive thoroughbred and they're just really wonderful for my horse. I can feel the difference and Eco Gold makes them an English and Western pad. So if you're interested, you can get a Calmatech pad by going to ecogold.ca. So guys, for a drink this week, since it's still technically October, I figured, you know, October means Oktoberfest. So I wanted to know what your favorite beers are this time of year. Ellie, you want to go first? <laughs> I'm I'm a total like sissy so i i'm not a big beer fan like at all but there's this really cool place in upstate new york that does like hard ciders and they're really big this time of year as well it's called awestruck is the name of the brewery and they have this dry apple oak which is so good it's like it tastes it almost has like a like a really good bourbon like you know how it just tastes like kind of i don't know woody yeah if that makes any sense huh. like yeah. So this is like, it's so good and it's so light and it's refreshing, which I really can't say enough about Awestruck. They have like a hibiscus ginger hard cider too, which is also equally delicious. Can you get it anywhere or you can only get it up by you? I think you can get it online actually. Huh. Um, I think on their website you can like buy it and they'll ship it because they're a pretty like local brewery, but like I can get it at like local package stores, but Hmm, huh, sounds good. Yeah, I like a good cider. So yeah. what about you, Jess? Yeah, mine is not seasonal at all because it's just something that it's sad for me right now. I can't drink 
like beer and everything. And so I'm really missing a really good Goose Island IPA. I got hooked on it. And I think it kind of started because Courtney had a horse named Goose. And so then she got obsessed with it. And I guess she probably bought it once. And then I tried it. And it's so good. And I guess like I was reading about it just because I was going to give some information about it. And it's a six-time medal winner for great American at the great American beer festival. I'm like, that's pretty good. Guess I picked a good one. So mine would have to be that it's kind of more of a hoppier bowl like type flavor, but I got into hoppy beers a couple years ago and it's definitely like my go-to IPA that I am totally missing right now. Yeah. I, I feel for you because I also like that beer. I just love goose Island. I don't know if you've it's been so to their- good. All their beers are really good. And their brewery, they're based in Chicago. It's super fun if you've never been there. No, I need to go. I haven't been to Chicago in forever, but that would be so much fun to go there. Absolutely. That's a good one. I'll just watch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, so the beer I picked is not technically like a German Oktoberfest beer, but it is a seasonal beer. And it kind of falls in line with my, you know, just my basic of how I love everything pumpkin, but Shipyard makes a pumpkin head beer and it's only available this time of year. And I get just as excited about this as I am for pumpkin spice lattes this year. And it's, it's super light. It's a light beer, but it's got really great spicy flavors. Like you can, like you could taste the nutmeg, you could taste the cinnamon in it, but it still feels like a light beer. Like you're not drinking something super hoppy, like an IPA. So whenever it's on public shelves in October, I'm like, Ooh, yay. I'm excited. So it's a good one. If you haven't tried it guys. Hmm. I might have to try it. If it, if it's pumpkin-y, I might be able to do it. I don't (laughs) know if I can do the pumpkin-y. I'm going to leave that for you guys. I'm not a pumpkin. I'm like, it's not American of me, but I don't do the pumpkin spice or any of that. I love (laughs) pumpkin bread and everything, but I can't do the pumpkin spice lattes or any of that. So I'm going to leave. What about pumpkin pie? I can do pumpkin pie. I really like pumpkin pie and like pumpkin bread and stuff like that. So that's okay. But it's when it's in a drink, I think I can't do it. Because if you didn't like pumpkin pie, I was going to have to leave the show. Like, yeah, no, I can. I love me some some good pumpkin pie or pumpkin bread. Like, real, yeah, no, I'm good for all that. So again, we just want to give a shout out to our Heels Down Greats, which are our wonderful fans who have supported this show. You guys have been like just super wonderful. I have so many dance videos to film. It's getting crazy. (laughs) I'm like thinking of different like costume ideas and stuff because I just have so many videos to film. But we just want to reach out to a few of you or reach out and just say thank you to a few of you guys. So Sarah Hepler, who's in our Facebook group, she's a fellow OTTB lover. She's a para rider. I just saw she was at the Thoroughbred Makeover this year. Thank you so much, Sarah. Alyssa Myatt, thank you so much. And Brittany Brown, I know both of you guys sent me dance videos. And if I haven't posted them yet, they're coming soon. And Jess, I think you've reached out to Jennifer Wollenberg, right? Yes, yes. She, I gave her a huge shout out. So thank you very much. And Maureen Meyer, thank you. So, and it's not too late to donate. If you love the Hills on Happy Hour podcast, you can donate to us through PayPal. We've got some perks if you decide to do that. And we also have a Patreon. So check out our show notes where we'll have links to where you can get more information on how to do that. So guys, I have a cool story. Well, not really cool, but a fun little story for you guys this week. 
so this is kind of close to home for me because when I was growing up, I used to do the Bedford pace, which was like a pace, but through like the backyards of a lot of like rich people in Bedford. And one of those people was Martha Stewart. And I actually got in trouble one time for riding, like going off the trail and riding in her like backyard. So that was kind of fun. So I know Martha Stewart's security because they yelled at me. (laughs) But anyway, so she recently auctioned off um, a horse riding expedition um, plus like a breakfast in her estate in Bedford. And (laughs) I guess that she got a little annoyed when the bidding passed like 20 grand and started to slow. So she was like, you know what? I'll throw in caviar. (laughs) And so all these people who were like, all right. And so she ended up selling the, you know, a little vacay, I guess, for $30,000, which wow. is an expensive horse ride, but well worth it. So, wow. What about you, Jess? So mine is a little bit. So we just talked about earlier how I was at Fairhill and everything. And now we're at Tryon, but Fairhill was kind of a weird weekend for everybody. One, it's it's sad. It's the last weekend for Fairhill to be a CCI four-star long. So they've always run it the same place, like for the fall. And you have these great like spectator tents and everything else. But now next year, we're really excited to see what it's going to do because it is going to hold a new five-star long. It's the host like place that's going to have a five-star long and they're getting rid of the four-star long and they're going to do a three-star. They're going to keep their three-star long. So it'll be a three and a five-star long. So, and they've built it uh, back where the steeplechase track is. So it's going to go inside. Arenas are inside of the track and then the cross country will go down and around and they'll use the permanent barns, I think is what it looks like from where they have the spring events. And so, cause we've always been in temporary stalls and everything for the fall three days. So I'm looking forward to the new venue and it's going to be pretty cool. Cause they're going to try to do it for other FEI events and bring in different disciplines to hold it there. So, cause the rings are going to be huge. So there's a lot's kind of happening at Fairhill. So that was really exciting and kind of bittersweet and sad that you won't really be on that side of what has been Fairy Hill for so many years that everybody has all these memories. So that's kind of the one thing, but I did want to touch, I don't know if many people had seen with social media, there has been that 15 point rule that a couple months ago had a clarification that was supposed to kind of help it out and it kind of backfired again. So four of the riders in the four star long got 15 penalty points because the officials said that they didn't jump through the flags correctly, that either the shoulder or the haunches didn't jump it. And it's supposed to be, if the horse didn't try to jump it, then you're supposed to get penalized. But the camera angle was kind of off. So it's been a big discrepancy. And Doug was one of those riders. And it it affects the placings and everything. And it's not that you want to take away from everybody that did well and placed well and everything else. It's nothing about that. But it's the consistency. Like there were several riders that didn't jump through the flags and didn't get penalized. But they called out a lot of these top riders and they ended up getting penalized. So there's now a lot of talk about what the FEI can do to make this kind of clarification happen, but it's, there's no real answer. And right now it's not a good one because the last thing that we want us to do with FEI is to go into Tokyo with this kind of 
understanding of a rule that doesn't really work. Like it's no one's enforcing it correctly. And so it's, you know, people could be in an uproar about it in Tokyo because they were in uproar this weekend. So there was a lot of controversy on it. Yikes. That is kind of crazy. Yeah. And it's just sad because the inconsistency, like it's not like they reviewed every horse and rider at that jump and then gave it to him. They just supposedly got told that four of the top riders didn't jump it correctly. So and how, how do they enforce that? They have someone like with a camera on that jump that that's what they use to review. So every skinny jump is, I think there were 18 cameras out on course. It's supposed to be directly in front of the jump. So like it was a corner in question. This one is supposed to be exactly where you're jumping at. The camera guy is supposed to be like dead center. Well, Doug had his helmet camera on and the camera guy was about 15 to 20 degrees to the left, which skewed kind of, and it was a right pointed corner. So when they looked at the footage, it wasn't really, you know, it, it was obscure for where you, it wasn't a direct on. Does that make sense? Like it mm-hmm. wasn't straight on. So you're seeing it from a weird angle. So if you're going to take that as into consideration, my problem with it is, is you need to look at everybody then and make sure that they jumped it to your standards on that jump. And Mm -hmm. they only looked at four riders Hmm. out of like 60. So Jess, what I don't understand is why they go through all this hassle to have cameras. Because can't they just obviously see if, you know, the horse knocks the jump down or is not successful of getting over it? So no, because they want to do a replay kind of like in sports where you can go and do a replay afterwards. So obviously like the flags are there. If you don't touch the flag, then you're through it. But a lot of them jump the flag and a lot of times you hit it with your foot or whatever else or the tail or, you know, whatnot. So then they go review it. Did your horse actually try to jump the jump? Did it try to jump the whole, like in the parameters of the flags, did it jump the jump? And so they're saying now, so the 20 is if you didn't jump it and you know, you didn't jump it and you circle, then you get 20 penalty points. And the older form was if the 15 wasn't there and they deem that you didn't get inside the flags, you got eliminated. So they tried to do this as like kind of a better situation saying, okay, it's not fair. Cause in the moment you don't know, like, I mean, Doug has proof that he jumped it correctly. Like there's video evidence, there's picture evidence. Will Coleman's the same way. And they still gave him 15. So imagine eliminations like way worse. So the 15 is better than that, but it's still not, the right answer i think but i mean what is the right answer i don't know because there's now talk about all kinds of different things so are they open to considering you know a tweak to the rule because enough riders have voiced concern about it um i don't know that's what's going through the fei like we're actually having like not us but there's different organizations like going through and trying to notify basically saying like because i mean nobody's happy with this like not just one rider, like not just this country, like this has gone in Europe and everything else. And, you know, people have proposed, why not? If you knock the flag over, you get four penalty points or whatever else and time added. And that, I don't know if that's the right answer. And I don't know if they'll go to it, but at the same time, then how much force, like if your foot hits it, there's no real way for me. I just want to see the consistency. So if you review my like, you know, suggestion that like, I'm just the nobody over here that would say something. But my suggestion would be like, why can't 
if you have the jump, if you hit the flag, then you get reviewed and everybody that hits the flag gets reviewed. And then it's consistent that day, just like it's, you know, but cross country is turning to be subjective instead of clear cut, you know, so it's, it's not really anything right, but it's, it's not fair and it's not, I don't know if it, there is a fair answer, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. That's so, really frustrating. Yeah. So, I mean, there is hopefully like with people talking and like everything else, maybe they will become a better answer. Cause the FEI did try to clarify it and say, look, like if there is a gray area, like the camera in this sense is not directly on straight away, then it's supposed to be tie goes to the runner. So it's supposed to be in the rider's favor. And they didn't do that this past weekend. Huh? So it's like, it's the individual interpretation. Yeah. The, the interpretation at each show, that's sort of the problem too. Yeah. So it's, it's been a uproar. So we'll stay tuned. I probably will have more and it probably be my rose or thorn for the next couple months. But right now it's just super annoying that at the end of the day, the horse went really well and you know, we're all safe and it's good, but it still kind of irks you. Sure. So Justine, what do you have for us? I have a really interesting video that the USA Today put together. Uh, I guess there are some cameras that are on the exclusion zone of Chernobyl, um, which I'm sure everyone knows what Chernobyl is in this day and age. If you haven't watched the HBO series, by the way, it's really good. But this video shows the exclusion zone where, you know, people have not lived there for years and years after the nuclear disaster. But there is a... A herd of wild, rare horses that are literally living in this exclusion area and like in these old abandoned buildings, you know, that these like dilapidated abandoned villages inside Chernobyl. It's really freaking cool. It's um, they look like I'm probably going to mispronounce the name, but Przewalski horses. Does that make sense? Przewalski. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. There's one of like the most uh, like oldest almost prehistoric type rare breed of uh, horses, which is really cool. So they actually have video footage of them like roaming through these old abandoned buildings. And it's almost surreal to see when you watch the video. So uh, we'll share this link obviously in the show notes so you guys can check it out. But it's, uh, it's kind of interesting to see, you know, after a, a huge humanitarian disaster years later, you know, nature always prevails and there are wild animals living there, including horses. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. If you want to hear more from us, you should subscribe to the Heels Down Brief. We have a lot of fun, a lot of cool conversations, and it's sent right to your email every day. Check out the brief at bit.ly slash hdbrief. So, Justine, I am super jealous of you because you have these beautiful new boots from SmartPack, right? I do. So I got these new boots. They're the ADA, which is A-D-A line from Smart Pack, which I do believe they offered similar boots like these in past seasons, but they just came back for the fall. And the ADA boot is it's a tall boot. Like it goes up to your knee like a normal tall boot and it's laced up the front. And I've always wanted a pair of brown leather lace up tall boots. And so I saw these and just drooled over them. They're so pretty. And so so they're a tall boot with the lace up the front and then they have suede down the sides. And what I like about them is Smart Pack I think made them with the idea of like 
you can wear these outside of the barn and look like a normal functioning real adult person. That's, you know what I mean? Like you could go to the grocery store and look, um, and look like you don't, you didn't just come from the barn, but they're heavy duty. The actual boot part where your foot is, is very heavy duty. Like you can wear these at like, like a muck boot at the barn. They are not fully waterproof, but they're waterproof definitely in the sole of your foot. And they have, um, they zip up the back of your, of your leg, like a tall boot does. And, and they have like, you know, the little marks on them where it'll hold your spur. Uh, so you can ride in them. You can walk around in them. You can muck stalls in them, but they're just really beautiful. So I've actually worn them out like to the bars in downtown St. Pete a couple times. It poured rain here over the weekend. We had this, um, tropical storm come through and I was like, ugh. What shoes do I have that won't get soaking wet because it's still 80 degrees and hot and humid, but I wanted to look cute and I wore them and they were, I got compliments on them all over the place. Like people didn't realize they were equestrian boots, but then I've ridden in them too. And um, we're going to a hundred pace and I'm going to, I think I'm going to ride in them in the hundred pace because they're just really cute. I love them. They're beautiful. So they do have a moisture wicking lining on the inside and they have, it's really cute. They have like a, like a plaid lining on, so it like, it looks very fashionable on the inside too. And the footbed of this boot is super comfortable. It actually has memory foam in it. So like I said, if you know, you're going to work at the barn all day, like your, your feet won't be cramped and hurting from, from standing or walking all day. Uh, they're very comfortable. And yeah, yeah. So I don't think that they would hold up like, you know, like a traditional paddock boot and half chaps or even your tall boots to like ride 10 horses a day in them. I don't think they're designed for that, but you can definitely still use them for light riding, like hop on a horse, no problem in them. And you would have enough of a heel where they would be safe. But really it's that lace up the front that just is so eye catching. It's a really beautifully designed boot. So if you want to check them out, they are for sale at SmartPack. So you can go to smartpackequine.com. And again, that's the Ada Tall Lace Boot. And they're priced at $175.95. All right, everybody. We have a really wonderful guest on the show this week. Natalie Gabby is a Los Angeles-based registered dietitian nutritionist who is passionate about the power that food plays in health, disease prevention, and management. She regularly works with equestrian athletes, and Natalie is also a contributor at Heels Down Mag, so you might recognize her byline. Hi, Natalie. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Very excited to be here. <laughs> so you wrote a story for us just recently, uh, and the headline is, is it okay for your trainer to tell you to lose weight? Uh, and I just thought it was a really fascinating piece to read and edit. And I, I figured we could start our discussion there. As you know, as a nutritionist, is this something you see a lot among equestrians, this sort of like lose weight mantra? And why do you think that's part of our culture? Yeah, so this is a pretty common theme that um, most most riders that I work with uh, come to me, you know, with something that they've been struggling with, that they've struggled with in the past or that they're currently struggling with. And I really think that, you know, this this emphasis on weight and appearance makes sense, right? Our, our teammate literally carries us on their back. And so, you know, as, as riders, we, I, I think we feel this, um, you know, we want to keep their well-being um, in mind in addition to our own. And I think sometimes we tend to focus a little bit more on the horse, less on ourselves. And that, you know, kind of contributes to, to this emphasis on weight. I think that 
the fact that we always have to take another living, breathing things while being into account is also something that makes this topic so controversial and also equally as complicated um, among writers. I think, you know, it's it's certainly appropriate for some people to lose weight and for some people, um, you know, it's something that I might even recommend assuming that they aren't at an increased risk of disordered eating or eating disorders and as long as they're doing it in a healthful way. The problem is that, you know, I think people, writers tend to get fixated on it. And when it starts to really consume their day-to-day, you know, activities, both at the barn and outside of the barn is really where we see a lot of the issues that come out of it. Yeah, totally. I, I think you hit the nail on the head on all of that. So I have a question. So in your article and stuff, like you kind of talk about not doing like crash dieting and everything and like why it's actually bad for you. Can you tell us a little bit like in our, tell our listeners, like why you think that the crash dieting, I mean, I know people will go and like, you know, do different types of dieting and all this. Can you just kind Mm -hmm. of do a little bit more on the crash diet too for us? Sure. Absolutely. So I think nutrition is, uh, it's, it's a field that's very near and dear to my heart. I love it. I can talk all day about it, but unfortunately, so can a lot of other people. It's a field that's not regulated. And so I think that's where you see a lot of the crash dieting and a lot of the, you know, a lot of the different types of diets that are coming out one day, one diet's good for you. The next day it isn't, this is going to help you lose weight. Suddenly it isn't. Um, and what ends up happening is, you know, with crash dieting, it's really never really sustainable. I've, I've never met a single person who was able to go on a really restrictive diet and stick to it. And because of that, you know, it can, when, when we, it depends on the diet and the form of the diet, you know, a lot of these diets, they're either restricting calories or they're, um, eliminating an entire food group. And what that does, especially with the caloric restriction is that it can negatively affect metabolism so that even though you might see this initial, you know, weight loss, you're actually seeing weight gain a lot quicker and it might come back more than what was lost before. Um, because of the, a lot of these diets do eliminate entire food groups and sometimes food in general, sometimes they're, you know, liquid diets, you might see, um, you know, if somebody does it long enough, they could see it affecting their overall nutritional status. And that could even result in nutritional deficiencies, which can weaken your immune system. You know, certain nutrients are required for energy. And so not having enough of those can lead to feeling fatigued, frustrated, irritated. And all of this also takes, you know, a huge toll on mental health. So none of these things, even though they might work in the short term, none of them are easy to stick to. And it kind of turns into this vicious cycle where, you know, it's not sustainable. Therefore, we kind of see people ending back up at square one and either going back on the same diet or going on another one. And none of this is going to contribute to, um, you know, improved performance, which is or we're making our horse's job easier, which is you know our ultimate goal at kind of the start of this. Well, and you had some really good ideas about kind of what to eat for breakfast. And I'd love to know, like, you know, you mentioned a banana with nut butter and stuff like that. And I love you had some great reasonings, but if you would kind of go for our listeners that they didn't read the piece and all that kind of different snacks and different 
foods that you can have for lunch that would make something with that diet sustainable and like different breakfast ideas. Cause I know everybody always says breakfast is huge and breakfast is always important. I mean, we're big, big breakfast eaters, but mm-hmm. I'd love to hear kind of your ideas of what are good breakfast and lunch and snack ideas and everything. Absolutely. So one of the biggest things that can really make an impact is making sure that you're not skipping meals and that you're, if your body's telling you that you're hungry and you're starting to feel like you're low on energy or you start to feel like, um, you know, your body's asking for fuel that you listen to it and you feed your body. So as far as what to feed your body, as far as a meal goes, I like to, I like to have my clients visualize a plate whenever we work together. And, um, depending on the intensity of, you know, their training, depending on where they are in the day, um, the components of the plate will vary, but, or the amount of the components will vary, but the components will always remain the same. So always having some sort of a non-starchy vegetable and or fruits on the plate, making that really the main meal uh, or the main course. And also having a carbohydrate, ideally in the form of a whole grain, as a side dish and then a protein as a side dish. So some examples of, of carbohydrates are going to be, and specifically whole grain carbohydrates are going to be oats, brown rice, quinoa, whole wheat bread. Um, fruits can even kind of fall into that category. And then as far as the protein goes, really just varying the type of protein source. So trying to avoid sticking to the same one all the time. So that might be, you know, it could be beans, nuts, seeds, lentils, fish, chicken, nut butters fall into that category too. And the biggest thing that I recommend is within everything on your plate, having variety. It's going to keep things interesting. It's going to make sure that you're, you know, getting that you're covering your nutritional needs. And um it's going to be easier to stick to than if, you know, you're always kind of keeping it the same, even though maybe you want something different. As far as, you know, breakfast ideas go, one of my, one of my go-tos is overnight oats. And that's something that a lot of my clients have found to be really helpful. Um, You can make it the night before and just pop it in the fridge and you can just take it with you in the car. If you have a long commute, you know, take it to the office, but it's not something you have to do anything with first thing in the morning, just grab it out of the fridge and go. And the the second big breakfast idea that I always um, get a lot of good feedback with is smoothies. And again, always visualizing every component on the plate, whether it's a smoothie or a sandwich or, you know, soup, just making sure that it contains fruits and or vegetables, grains and a protein will be, you know, keep you full and keep you going throughout the day. I love that. I need to get back on my oats. Somebody had a great idea and it kind of sounds gross, but without doing dairy milk and everything else, somebody told me Mm -hmm. to do goat milk for the overnight oats and I did it. Yeah. So you could get like a goat milk. It was really good. And I did it with overnight oats, chia seeds, flax seeds, and then would top them in the morning with raspberries. Mm -hmm. And it, it was so good. I need to get back into doing it. I found it on, actually found it on Pinterest. So that sounds really good. (laughs) So I need to get back into that. (laughs) Yeah. So Natalie, what if you're doing all these things, right? You're eating right. And you know, you're doing everything you can to be fit and healthy. I mean, I feel like nobody looks good in white breeches, right? What are some ideas you have or have used with your clients to help get past that negative perception of body image? 
That's a great question. So typically, depending on how debilitating their negative body image may be and how much it affects, you know, their overall mental health and day-to-day life, um, sometimes I will refer uh, my clients to a mental health provider that um, could help them, you know, really use some good tools to overcome that and strategies to to work on that. Um, one exercise that I have a lot of my clients do who struggle with this is a journaling exercise. And I uh, briefly touched on it in um, the article that I wrote earlier. And, you know, really taking the focus off of the appearance of a certain, you know, whatever, whatever part of your body you feel insecure about, taking the focus off of that appearance-wise and focusing on the function instead. So for example, you know, if clients tell me, oh, I, you know, my cellulite in my, uh, in my thighs are really bugging me or whatever it might be, I think normalizing that it's okay to feel that way. And many people do, but also try to think of, you know, one, one thing that's unrelated to appearance that your legs that, that you're grateful for your legs, that your legs do for you, right? They let you, they let you ride, they let you post, they, you know, let you go see your horse or whatever part of your body that may be to really take the focus off of appearance and put it more onto function. And the other thing that, you know, I, I think is sometimes eye opening, even though it's super simple is, um, accepting where you are right now and accepting that maybe you're not at the size that you want to be or that you're, you know, you are where you're at. And to find breeches and to find clothing that fits to your body and don't try to fit your body into something else and find something that flat, you know, that's flattering to you, that you feel confident in, that you feel comfortable in. And I think that doing those two things can go a long way. I really like that. I'm I'm gonna you know say a a thank you to my cellulite tonight. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I'm happy to hear that. Well, Natalie, thanks so much for joining us. You've been great. It's been wonderful to chat with you. And like Ellie, I already feel better about myself because I'm literally eating candy corn as we talk, and I'm not gonna feel guilty about it. It's Halloween. Okay, I do not. I do not time. think that's be. what she said. I do I not think any of that is what she said. <laughs> But as long as you're enjoying it. (laughs) But thank you so much. We really enjoyed this. This is awesome. Thank you for having me. It was a ton of fun. So we've been talking about friends of mine and everything about selling horses and stuff and different services. And somebody was mentioning this new website, Equivant. It is a beautiful website. It's kind of the marketplace for everything for horses. You can basically get different consignment products on there. You can list your business. You can list your horse for sale. You can have different coaching packages. It's kind of like a one-stop shop for everything kind of needs. So you guys should go check out Equivant and it's www.equivont.com. It's a beautiful website and it's a really cool kind of marketplace for all everything equestrian. And speaking of Equivant, I kind of wanted to talk to you guys about this whole sort of selling horses and everything. And now that Facebook's kind of cracked down, we've noticed a couple ads kind of get pulled and then it just says the content's not available anymore. They don't really warn you that they're pulling this stuff down. And so like I've shared some things, then all of a sudden it's gone. So 
what do you guys kind of do? Is there a website like Equivant you've used? I mean, what do you do to kind of sell horses or what do your friends do? I mean, I'm not in the market of selling horses, but I see all my friends on Facebook, right? And remember, okay, so Facebook announced that they were going to crack down on this forever ago, but then there was like an update just several months ago where they were like, all right, we're actually going to really start enforcing this. And I saw, you know, people started to freak out and they were worried that their Facebook groups were going to be shut down, which I do think that happened, right? Several Facebook groups did get shut down that were reserved just for sales. And so I I don't know. I've seen people get creative. Like I've seen posts that are like halter for sale and it comes with this beautiful dark bay warm blood, (laughs) you know, (laughs) to try to like work around the algorithm. But I don't know. I'm, I'm Ellie and Jess, you guys have to see this more than me uh, being in the training business and, and working with horses that are for sale. I, I just feel like I still see plenty of ads for sale on Facebook, but I will tell you, I've had the hardest time. I was trying to sell a dressage saddle and for the life of me, I could not get past Facebook to sell it. It flagged all my ads and I had to sell it on other websites. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. (laughs) We've done it. We haven't had one. I had a young horse of mine get flagged that somebody else had posted about. And so we have not personally had them get flagged. I mean, we sell horses. We don't sell a ton of them. So I don't know, you know, if it just hasn't hit us yet or whatever, but a lot of people have been sharing them in their stories. And so we've been doing kind of like short clips in our stories of horses for sale or like doing just kind of different fun things to see if that can reach some people. And then if you tag some of our friends or whatever else in it, then they can share it in their story. So like, you know, if you kind of mention them in it, then they can add to their story and everything. And that's been helpful as well as, you know, basically just we're posting a jump video or a jump picture of the horse. And then we just mention later, like we don't put it the top for sale, like just mention later and he's still available or something. Interesting. That's a good idea. So do you sell more on Instagram than, you know, with the story function or there's a story function on Facebook? Right. Right. But I'm just wondering, like, is Instagram part of that too? um, Yeah, no. So I'd say the same would be Instagram or Facebook. And we kind of do hand in hand between the two. I don't really know. I, not like I said, we don't sell a ton of horses to kind of see. I know we have friends like Caroline Martin sells a ton of horses and she sells them solely on Instagram and Facebook. Like that's all she's got now this great word of mouth, but I'm, she can sell a ton of horses and it's all she does. The story she posts about them, puts little clips of them. And yeah, she's, she's sharing it with friends and like, it's all through word of mouth. So it's been impressive. Hmm. Wow. What yeah, about you? Ellie? I'm, Yeah, I'm so I try really hard to avoid seeing horses for sale on the Internet because I have an issue where I seem to acquire animals. So I try. (laughs) Yes. But I I am like a member of a lot of different groups that are still still going strong. And I've seen a lot of people change to having the description of the horse and like the price in a photo, which I think is kind of weird because when the photo have to, you know, I don't know how that works with the algorithm. I'm not tech savvy by any means, but I've seen a lot of that. And also kind of 
tweaks on the language, like you mes- mentioned, Jess, where it's like looking for their next partner or, yeah. you know, looking for their next job, you know, something like that. And then, you know, if people are interested, then they'll message you and, you know, you can kind of figure prices like that. But I've still seen it. It For someone who's actively trying to avoid not seeing it, I'm definitely still seeing it. So <laughs> fear not, Facebook sellers. You got them. <laughs> Remember when, but remember when Facebook first announced all this and like, you know, horse Facebook went crazy. People were like going nutso about it. And I remember everyone was going, I joined Mayway. Have you heard of MeWe, Mayway, this new social media platform? Like people were like trying to encourage others to join that specifically for horse sales. And I just wonder if that ever took off. I'm pretty sure it didn't. I haven't heard about it. So probably not. Yeah. So, but does that mean people are going back to websites? Like when I think about, you know, when I was a teenager, we all had to, you had to go to dreamhorse.com or equine.com. And we have a few Florida ones, like specific sale websites. Do you use those, Jess? We use Big Eck and Fort Horse Nation, depending if it's like a jumper or an event horse. But yeah, I mean, I think we rely more on social media and it's just more of kind of the outlet we've been using and thankfully we haven't gotten too terribly killed i think with the algorithm but who knows at the same time we haven't sold some of them so maybe we are maybe we need to go back (laughs) so we're maybe not the ones to ask (laughs) well i guess we'll see you know i'll be curious to see what our listeners have to say so if you heard this segment and you have some input please post about it in the facebook group all right it's rosen thorne who wants to go first I can go first. Okay, let's hear it. So I'm going to start with my thorn because it's not really a bad thorn, but it's it's kind of bittersweet as well. So where well, I told you guys I'm at Tron this weekend for the CSI. So it's our last, it's my last FEI event of the year. Doug still has Jockey Club in November, but I will not be making the trip because I will be far enough along that it's just probably too much to travel. So this is my last horse show of the year, which is kind of weird. I mean, like we might have like a local one, but this is my last like big show. So it's kind of bittersweet. Like we said, we go on the road so much. I'm going to get home and after like a week kind of be like stir crazy. So it's going to be a little crazy, but that will be settling in and waiting for baby number two. Oh my gosh. I know. And then yeah, you're getting close. I am. So I'm over seven months and yeah, she's due in January. You're like amazing. Cause I look at your pictures like from Her- Fairhill and you barely look pregnant. Oh like, no. Yeah, I have what a the heck? This time. I have a belly this time. It's, <laughs> it's not huge, but she's definitely poking out. <laughs> so, um, she is poking out and then my rose is my parents are coming to try on for the weekend to celebrate my birthday my birthday is on monday i'm getting oh wow oh happy early birthday yeah i get to celebrate it with them and everybody here and then doug and hudson and i are gonna take a little short little vacay from the horses for like two days so that would be fun that's definitely my rose Ellie, you got yours? Do you want me to go? I can go. My my rose is super easy. Um, we're redoing my arena. Like, as we speak, they are working on it. Um, so I'm super excited. It's going to get 
regraded and I'm getting this really cool footing in and it's like dust free and I never have to water it and it's going to be so cool and so exciting and it's going to make riding so much more fun. So I'm really excited. This is like a project I've kind of been saving up for for a while because my indoor just has been really like just not great for anything um, other than like light hacks. So I'm excited to really, you know, get to do some real work with my horses. Um, and my thorn, it's not really a thorn, but it's just something that really grinded my gears this week. Um, my boyfriend, Matt had a couple of his friends over, uh, this past weekend and, you know, we were all just talking, having a good time. And the, one of his friends pulls out like one of those like vape things and like vaped in my house, like right in front of me. And I don't know, that just like really like ticked me off. Like you don't light up a cigarette in somebody's house. Like, yeah, like, rude. I don't know. That is yeah. rude. right. Yeah. Right. I, I kind of went a little embarrassingly crazy, I think, but I was, I was pretty nasty. <laughs> like, that's just like, I'm like, oh, Oh, it makes me mad just thinking about it. So, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> what about you, Justine? Oh, my gosh. Well, so my rose is sort of like a an incognito rose. I'm not not exactly sure to explain it, so I'll just tell you why. But I, um, I got my flu shot today. Just so you guys know, you should get your flu shot because they're anticipating a very active flu season this year. But, cool. um, <laughs> so I got my flu shot, and... I'm not really a weenie with shots or anything, but they always tell me like, oh, uh, which is your dominant arm? You should get your shot in that arm. So I'm right-handed and they're like, you should get your shot in your right arm because you'll move it more because it's your dominant arm. And I was thinking about it while I'm like sitting in the pharmacy. And I'm like, no, put it in my left arm. And they're like, okay. And for me, I was scheming because I'm going to a horse show this weekend and I um, have been having this problem for like six months in my riding where I just... I'm slowly getting better, but I am constantly crooked to the left. And I really like to crank like my, my left hand and hold that rein. And I, I ride a sensitive thoroughbred. So his head is always slightly cocked to the left because I can't ever figure out how to like, let go of that darn rein. And I, I want to like just lob my whole arm off so I can let my horse go straight. <laughs> and I was like, and my arm already hurts from the stupid flu shot. And I'm like, this is good. This is why I got it in my left arm because I want to be weak in my left arm for the horse. You show. would use the flu shot as a <laughs> right. Oh, yes, this is a a flu shot riding instructor right here. <laughs> Unbelievable. I seriously had this thought today sitting in the pharmacy where he's like about to stick my right arm and I'm like, "Wait a minute. Oh, no. Stop. Do my left arm." <laughs> Oh, I can't. Gosh. I can't. Because I know I'll be sore for like a week. So this, I'm. It's a science experiment. I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah, like, let us know straight. if it works. Because then I'll make sure to do it one of my. Oh my gosh, I can't. <laughs> so, so that's my rose. Is I'm going to fix my my left crank arm with the flu shot. That's perfect. You don't support injecting yourself in um, problem areas of your riding. Just want to throw that out there. Hey, but it, it was by a medical <laughs> professional, okay? It's not like I did it to myself. <laughs> that yes, is amazing. That's, that's true. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
Uh, and then my, um, my thorn was, uh, so this horse show that I'm going to th- this weekend is my backup horse show. Cause I had hoped to go to a horse show last weekend, but my horse came up lame. Um, luckily he seems much better now. Like it was like, he knew, I don't know. I, I think he knew I wanted to go to that other horse show. So he was like, nah, I'm not going to feel it. But now he's back. He feels much better. But I'm like that worry wart horse owner where, I mean, he's 100% very clearly sound, but I'm like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I need him to, like, tell me he's fine and he he's eating. He's fine. He's not lame. But it, like, lingers in the back of my mind. Like, why was he lame? Well, you know, is he 100% sound? And he is. My trainer's like, you're a crazy person. Your horse is fine. But that's my thorn because I can't get out of my head and... I, I go down the internet rabbit hole of like, well, maybe this is a sign of a much larger problem. Um, in- you're web MDing your horse. That's <laughs> yeah. not a good sign. Yes, don't just do that. Saying. Don't. I know. There's something wrong with my brain. Maybe I just need another flu shot. I don't know. Just <laughs> give one to your le- your other leg that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Flu shot in my chin. Because sometimes I lead in with my chin. When I ride. So maybe if I get a flu shot in my chin. <laughs> it's going to fix all the problems. Flu shots. <laughs> Matt, what is that? Matt will be like, what is that big bulge on your chin? I'm just growing a third one with the flu shot. That's all. <laughs> right. Oh Notice gosh. I said third one. Okay. <laughs> There's already two. <laughs> so you can save on Knickers Horse Treats this month at Greenhawk. They're an awesome molasses flavor that your horse is sure to love. So whether you've just had an awesome ride or you just want to spoil your horse, you should treat them. Available at Greenhawk exclusively. You can shop for them at greenhawk.com. So it's mailbag time, guys. And Kristen had a really good question for our listeners. And so I'm kind of, she wanted to know what we thought about it. And I'm dying to hear what Ellie kind of has to say, especially because... Justine and I aren't really in the cold, but it's kind of an interesting one. So she wants to know from Kristen, what temperature do you consider too cold to hose your horse down after a ride? So she doesn't have hot water and her horses aren't stalled at night. So it's getting that time of year where it's a bit chilly at the end of her rides. She usually rides in the evenings. So is there is a good bit of sweat under the saddle pad and girth, she says. And she doesn't want to assume that just because she... I put it, she puts a jacket on that it was too cold to wash the horse off. So she wants to know how you kind of decide whether to hose or sponge off the horse or just give them a good groom. So I'm super conscious of this because I'm always afraid that they're going to catch chills, especially growing up in, you know, New England. That is a a concern for sure. So usually if it, and it depends right on the kind of weather, we all know that, you know, because it can be. 65 and super windy and not feel like 65. Um, So usually I go by the rule of thumb that if I feel cold in a t-shirt that it's not warm enough to, you know, hose them off. My biggest thing, and I swear by it after usually September, um, I live with those Irish knits, like the waffle sheets. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Yeah. 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 I, you know, I mean, Berkeley gets the same way, right? You know, up here it snows. I let them get hairy. I don't clip them, you know, and they, they sweat their neck, their chest, you know, under their saddle pad, like Kristen was talking about. And what I'll do is I'll, you know, brush them out and then I'll curry it. So it all kind of stands up, right. They've got their little sweat 
floof. <laughs> uh, and then I throw the waffle sheet on them and I just let them dry naturally. And then I'll give them a good, you know, currying and turn them out. That I think is just the safest way. I, especially with, you know, hosing and she, because then you're getting everything wet, right? The legs, you know, it's kind of inevitable. And sponging too, I feel like if you sponge, then you're getting, you know, you're making a wet situation wetter. So definitely invest in a good waffle sheet. That is my advice, Kristen. Do you guys ever have to worry about these kind of things? I mean, Jess, I'm sure you have to when you travel, but it gets like cold, but all of ours are clipped. So okay. they're clipped right yeah. away. So that's why it's kind of a different situation for us. Like some of ours have been clipped two times already this year. And wow. so, I mean, yeah, ours never really have hair. So it's kind of different. We use everything to a different degree, if that makes sense. So I know in the Facebook group, people who responded to this question, um, someone suggested Courtney Carson's, obviously the pain question yes. room her uh witch hazel rubbing alcohol like amazing spray that that helps well, i i guess get the sweat to it will evaporate get the sweat faster. yeah it just makes the sweat evaporate faster so like that would definitely be my go-to but we aren't dealing with kind of the hairier horse that is in the cold so it's a little right. bit different but yeah absolutely that would definitely help there's also a new product that i have not tried for this but there's like a powder um Oh, I think it's called Coat Defense. Have yeah. you guys seen it? And supposedly it's supposed to help with evaporation too. So that oh. might be something to check out. But I'm I'm a waffle sheet girl. I think that's a good idea. I love my waffle sheets for my woolly mammoths. I mean, when it gets to negative 20 with wind chill, oh. you... Just you know, you know I don't one, see that. one, you don't ride. Two, <laughs> you waffle if they're sweaty. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I never yeah. want to know what that's like. Yeah, right? No, thank you. No, no, I don't either, usually. So... <laughs> So if you have a question for us and you want us to answer it on the show, you can always send us an email at hello at heelsdownmedia.com. Or you can join our Facebook group, which is the Heels Down Happy Hour Podcast Lounge. And if you want to hear more from us, please subscribe to the Heels Down Brief. It comes to you daily right to your inbox. And you can do that by going to bit.ly slash hdbrief. And many thanks to our partners this week, EcoGold, SmartPak, GreenHawk, and Equivant. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.